A very warm welcome to you all. My name's Chris Oakley and this is episode six of the Football Attic Kit Podcast. Uh, it's great to be back with you once again after our extended break and uh, apologies for our absence last week. By the way, um, if it's football kit chat that you're after, you've come to the right place. Um, but if you want to hear me talking to myself for an hour and a half, you've come to the wrong place because it's now my pleasure to introduce Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. Guten Jour. Guten Jour. That's, that's for our European listeners, uh, for the, a, bit of, a bit of mixing it up with some foreigners. <laughs> I thought Britain was all about the Brexit and, and, and we're not having anything to do with Johnny Foreigners anymore, is it? Hashtag vote leave. <laughs> <laughs> Just for our country back. Right. No, it's, um, yeah, it's good to see you trying to integrate <laughs> with our fellow man on the <laughs> Indignation. Uh, uh, well, whenever possible, we uh, we like to have a special guest on the Kit Pod, and I'm pleased to say that today is no exception. Uh, joining us for this podcast is a Tottenham supporter who's not only knowledgeable about his club, but also knowledgeable about football kits too. And not only that, but he's also knowledgeable about refereeing and is knowledgeable about recording podcasts on the subject of Tottenham Hotspur. To put it simply, he's pretty knowledgeable. Uh, please welcome Andy Rockle. Hello, Andy. Hello. Thank you very much, Chris. Hello, Rich. Hello. Great to have you on board. Uh, you know the score, you've paid your fiver, and uh, we'll allow you to talk only when we give you the signal. So uh, that's uh, generally how it works on these things. Um, can, I just say, can I just say, up the arse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we've got the usual array of treats for you today, listeners. Um, uh, nothing to do with the phrase up the arse, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's other entertainment that we can provide for a small fee. Um, basically, later on in the podcast, we're going to be going back 40 years to uh, talk about uh, football kits from... It, it, it was, I, do, I should apologise at this stage, ladies and gentlemen. We're on, we're on Google Hangouts on air, which means there's no filtering out of um, unnecessary sounds, which means uh, Richie's bronchitis is allowed to uh, play a large part. Well, I, I apologise as well, because I pressed the mute button on my mic, and clearly it doesn't mute. <laughs> That's really good, though. <laughs> That's quality. I thought, well, I'll have a little coughing fit and block it out. But unfortunately, no, my mic said, you're not going to block that out. So clearly Google Hangouts doesn't like mute. Well, all, there is a tactic here, and that is that basically you cough when I'm not speaking, or when I am speaking. No, hang on. No, I don't. You know, in the gaps. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm trying to say. So uh, if you're not speaking, then that will be just silence. Yeah. And when I stop speaking, you can... Anyway, well, let's forget that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's carry on. Um Coming up later on in the podcast, we're going to be going back 40 years and assessing the football kits uh, from the Football League, uh, the uh, Domestic League in England and Wales from the 1976-77 season. And we've also got another kit off vote for you, which we'll be giving you the details of a bit later on. Uh, but to start off with, as ever, we have kit news, uh, bringing you all the latest from the world of football kit design and such like. Um, Rich, um, what have you seen that's, that's going to be sort of catching the eye of people, do you think? Well... Now then, the first one in the list is uh, this year's 1860 München Oktoberfest shirt. Now, every year, 1860 München uh, do a uh, shirt for Oktoberfest, which was kind of implied by the title. And I have tried to buy them all so far because I love them. Now, last year's was the first one that Macron did. Um, and it was very different to the, the ones that have gone before. Now, one of them, the first one, was number 23 in our top 50 greatest football shirts. Um, mm. And that was a kind of uh, blue and white check, which is based, I think, on the, I can't, I'm, I hopefully pronounce this right, the Rutenflag, or the Rutten flag or something, which is the kind of October-y, festy flag thing. <laughs> um, 
something to do with the blue and white. Um, and then a couple of them have been like that. They've mostly been blue. And then Macron came along last year and did one that was green and had uh, all the sort of some of the other symbols associated with it, like little leaves and stuff. Um, and then this year, gone for a kind of, I think it's blue, but last year it looked blue as well until the shirt turned up and it was green. But it looks like a kind of, uh, what would you call it, a teal blue almost. Mm. And it looks very nice. I haven't bought one yet because I'm just waiting to see if Subside get them in because I think if I buy it from the, sh- the club, it'll be about 90-odd quid, whereas if Subside do them for about 60 usually. The one disappointing thing, though, two actually, sorry, <laughs> is that the shorts they're doing this year are exactly the same as last year's. Ah. They haven't changed the shorts at all. They're literally the same pair. Not, you know, <laughs> worn them. But, um, and the bottoms, they're the, they're the sort of fake, sort of lederhosen, leathery short style yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they're cool. I mean, but it also, I mean, I suppose it's good as well because it means I don't have to buy them this year. Um, <laughs> but the box is pretty much the same as well. So it's, a, I think, there's a feels like a little bit of lack of imagination the shirt's very nice but it's like they've just kind of just gone oh, i'll just use the same same box design you know same shirt uh, same shorts same socks yeah sod it mm-hmm. so but uh, the actual shirt itself is gorgeous so i'll soon have one here's the thing then andy um given as we're sort of talking about special shirts and stuff like that and and slightly wacky shirts if you don't mind my saying there is um have you bought any shirts in the past there andy that kind of remotely would fit into that category of something a bit kind of way out and wacky maybe i probably in the very early 90s um went up to carnaby street to soccer scene ah. the mecca for uh absolutely for kit nerds like myself and uh, I had about, I don't know, £23 of money saved up in my <laughs> middle teens, I guess. And uh, I, I sought out the most outrageous shirt I could find. <laughs> that's going to be my... And uh, I've got the Morton, uh, Greenwich Morton Tartan um, shirt, the home shirt, which was a blue-based Tartan. Yeah. The away oh, shirt I've was got, a red-based Tartan. And sponsored by Karen's <clears throat> Toffees. And, yeah, uh, I've, yeah, got, I've got that, that It's lovely. I wanted to be... Uh, a football kit hipster, <laughs> and uh, I was very much alone. Well, <laughs> no, full marks for getting that, though. That's that's yeah, I love the kind of obscure stuff like that, and and that's kind of I like to think there's a, a bit of me that would buy that particular shirt if I'd have been in that same situation as well. That's there, there's a certain see, I back in the equivalent period of my life, I would I, a few times I went to soccer scene in Carnaby Street, and but I the, the shirts I would buy weren't quite as obscure as that, but I would buy something like a just a PSV Eindhoven shirt, which you didn't see much yeah. of in Dagnum, frankly. But, I mean, it was just obscure enough for people to go, oh, hipster. And so, there, so I kind of see where you're coming from on that. But green, was it, would it have been just Morton or Green at Morton back then? Probably just Morton, I suppose, would it? Might have been, yeah. Can't remember. They've back and forth. Yes. Well, very good, though. Nice one. Nice. Now, Rich, um, there has been a slew. Is the slew the word I'm looking for? It's a, a, a raft of similar... A what? A glut. A glut. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. A glut of um, uh, template kits that have been released by Nike recently. And they are basically the third shirts for all of Nike's teams. And they all have the same look. They, they, they follow the same template, don't they, Rich? If you could describe what those shirts are like that are in those kits and um, which of those has caught your eye particularly. Uh, well, I, I really like the inter... How the hell do you describe this shirt? Um, it's, 
it's basically it's a well it's a, a gradiated shirt so it starts at the top in one color and then it has uh, very thin horizontal bands going across almost pinstripes almost but then those bands get thicker as they go down so it, prov- it provides a nice gradation effect if mm. that's even a word um, and the one that the inter third starts on a kind of to light blue and then goes down to lime green now I think it looks lovely and I believe on the kit itself the socks and the shorts are lime green as well so yes. it actually flows down to the bottom of the the kit and I think it looks great um it's a very odd combination I th- and I th- the, the funny thing is as with this night this I'm not sure if this if this is a vaporware template it looks the same mm. style as a vaporware shirt so I'm assuming it is but with just a different color design on it yeah um but the like you said there's a glut of them and I would say there's only a couple that actually look nice mm. uh, one of which is the internet I thought most of them look really bland I mean I'm sure a lot of people looking at that would think, how the hell do you describe that as bland? Because it's a bit of a crazy <laughs> design. But I just thought they looked unimaginative. I think I've used this term before, haven't I? When I said dull yes. for a shirt that looked horrific. And it was just like, yeah, but dull in thought. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the inter third looks really nice. I think, oh, I'm trying to think who the other one was. Was It, it was either Trabs on Sport or was it Galatasaray? It might have been. I Something think. like that, yeah. I think it was Galatasaray because they're like, aren't they? Um, uh, I think theirs was very nice looking as well. But a lot of them just, again, look sort of boring and just... See, when somebody um, tugged my coat about that uh, during the course of the week and said, oh, have you seen all these shirts? It might have been Austin Long, our friend Austin Long. And I sort of started scrolling down the page, and the first few I looked at, I was sort of thinking, oh, I don't know, really don't know about that, not sure about that one. But as the page sort of went further down and further down, then I started to see some of the colour combinations, like the inter-third shirt from going from blue into this kind of lime green. And it's a bit like the other, the the, the main vaporware kits that, that Nike have been uh, creating, insofar as, as I keep saying, it depends on the colour scheme, really. And um, some of them don't kind of light my fire particularly, and whereas others, I think, are better. And, yeah, I agree with you on the inter-third kit. Uh, I think that's uh, very nice. Um yeah, as you say, it's the, the, they've sort of saved the sleeves to have a sort of solid colour. Um, and the little sort of notches either side of the neck line um, are still there, but they're usually in the same colour, I think, as the sleeves. So you can't really sort of see them particularly, but they are there if you look for them. So um, now it's, it's quite a curious thing, really, um, this notion that Nike have created a range of third kits, third shirts for their teams. I'm not aware of any manufacturer having done that particularly in the past. I mean, obviously, you, you, they bring out second and third kits for different teams. But I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember any manufacturer sort of saying, here's some new kits, but they can only be worn as a third kit for our teams. Would that be about right? Am I, am I forgetting something there? But if it is, if that's... Nike, Nike did this with the um, half and half shirts where there were slightly different tones. Oh, okay. And, and they did a, a series where everyone had a sort of fluorescent colour. Either the kit was fluorescent or the second colour was fluorescent. So That's Manchester really City ended up with a purple shirt with fluorescent yellow band down the arms. Right, um, yes. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's ringing bells. That's only be about a couple of years ago. So it's clearly Nike, Nike have sort of pitched that as this going to be their thing because I don't think Adidas really do it as far as I can remember or any of the other t- the other manufacturers either. But it's quite, I think it's quite a clever kind of thing 
because it's like bringing out a completely new, like bringing out a new home kit or something. It's, you can sort of stagger these releases. Of course, it doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to be popular. And I know that these new third kits from Nike haven't been universally welcomed by uh, everybody. But, you know, it was ever thus. Uh, but um, an interesting design. And it comes down to the colour scheme. And hopefully, if you're a supporter of a team that wears Nike, hopefully your team has got the right colours. Um, probably you're going to say they have just out of sheer partisanship, probably. Anyway, there we are. Um, that really makes me want to have a can of Sprite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really looks like the colours of the, of the can of Sprite. It's a fine observation, if you don't mind my saying so. Um, PSG also have a third kit from Nike, but there's a particular distinction about this one, isn't there, Rich? There is. It's basically, it's a very strange shirt. And the funny thing is, I really like it. Uh, now, if it wasn't for this one detail about it, I would find it really boring. Although I, I think it looks smart. Again, I, th- I think this is the Vaporware template, which I actually, I think I'm actually growing to really like. Because I like <laughs> the, I, I think I think about it. Uh, one is, I think I mentioned this last time. One is the neck, which is just a very simple, it's, yeah. It's like a V-neck Rizzo. I like it because it's just nice and simple, but kind of modern as well. Um, and the yeah. second thing is the sort of lines that go round to the side. Normally, I would hate that, but there's just something about. It. I think with the V-neck itself, it works really well. So, but apart from that, so this shirt is literally just pretty much white with a uh, sort of black trim. It looks like black Nike logo, black um, sponsor logo. But the thing about it is the badge is like a kind of embossed, I think it's such a gold or silver plastic. And it just looks really, I don't know, I really like it. It's just, it's quite blingy, mm-hmm. but it's the whole shirt is quite understated. So it, I don't know, it just seems to work. I really like it. What does everyone else think? Is that gold or is that Wolves orange, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think we'll go with gold on that. It, it looks, the badge it itself, gold, yeah. with, with the kind of gilt um, effect, it looks a bit like, it looks a bit plasticky. It probably is plastic, to be fair, but um, but I kind of like it. And there's definitely a trend, I think, at the moment, isn't there, about with, with um, kits that are very white and sort of subdued detail, like the Denmark... Uh, kit that came out. I think was it Denmark wore a kit the other day with a, with a shirt with like white numbers on a white background, that kind of yeah. thing. So there's a bit of that going on at the moment. But um, yeah, it's quite nice. What's your views there, Andy? Very smart, minimalistic, um, but really well done. I think. Hmm. Yes. Very. Top marks, Nike. Um, yep, definitely. Um, moving to France, uh, France. I'm thinking of Lecoq Sportif. My brain has gone <laughs> off on a tangent. Let me just start that one again. The funny thing is, when you said that, I didn't think anything wrong with it. I just, thought, oh yeah, yeah, France, yeah, Fiorentina, yeah. <laughs> I just thought Fiorentina. Hmm. Actually, they're Italian. I'll start again. So, um, Fiorentina, who have a French manufacturer for their kits, Lecoq Sportif, as if you didn't know, um, Fiorentina have a third kit that's just come out, and it follows the same styling as the other. Cox Sportif um, shirts that are kind of doing the rounds a bit at the moment. Very sort of like modern take on retro, going back almost to a sort of 1950s sort of style in some ways. A very small kind of flappy collar and a kind of, uh, is it a placket, the bit that goes down the middle from the, I can never remember the yeah. terms of these things. Need John Devlin in again. Um, but it's red. It's a red third shirt for Fiorentina. Um, and I'm, so I don't know if they've had many third kits in the past or what colours they would have been. I'm guessing black might be one colour they've had in the past or something, but I'd be very surprised if they've worn red for any kit in the past. It's quite um, quite a distinctive one. What's your views on that one, Rich? 
Uh, I don't like it. I, know, I, I kind of feel like I should because it looks kind of, I don't know, like a sort of nice classic simple shirt. I don't like the red. It's kind of almost a, it's a really weak, and I don't know if that's just the picture itself, but it looks like Very a kind of really, sorry? Very red. A light, yeah, light red. Yeah, it's just a very weak sort of red, and I just mm, don't like it. It's just, and it's nice and plain and simple, but there's, I just don't like. I'm not a great fan of red shirts. I think, I, mm. yeah, no, doesn't do it for me. Andy, got um, anything positive to add to that? <laughs> Absolute thigh rubber. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. I really, I like the. You know, it reminds me of a like a Fred Perry classic t-shirt that yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a button-down collar. But you know that collar just sits. Doesn't you, you said yeah. flappy, and I would have disagreed with that. Yeah, no, yes. White collars. I'm, I'm no good. You have to understand, Andy. I'm no good with the with the jargon. You see, I just because I, I've ne- I've not been that intense about the football kit sort of thing over the years. So I tend to make up my own terms. <laughs> I don't mean flappy. There's no flap about that collar. You're quite right. It's but it is a very sort of small, isn't it? It's it's, it's the kind of t-shirt that, that the youth of today would wear buttoned up to the very top <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and would be uh, considerably fitter than I am to be able to wear that shirt and do it any justice. <laughs> what were you going to say there, Rich? You... I just said you struggle with words in general. <laughs> I, I do. You know me well. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, there's been, there were, going back two or three weeks or so, there were some uh, World Cup qualifiers going on um and uh, among the various teams that were going on there were one or two new kits being worn that may have escaped your notice um and one of them you've picked out rich is um luxembourg of all teams i think by the time we finish all our podcasts when we decide to call it a day with any luck we will have mentioned every single national team and every single club in the world that's how it's kind of going and the fact that you mentioned luxembourg means i can cross them off my list um but what was it you liked about their kit uh, it's a very, very bold sort of um, shirt, and, and it, it's, it looks like a dark red, but I can't tell if that's just because it, I think they were playing in rain, so I think the shirt's got very wet. So, But it's a red shirt uh, with this classic Adidas uh, sleeve, uh, stripes down the sleeve. But then at the bottom of the shirt, and I've noticed when I was looking through all these, um, that it, was, uh, it seems to be a new Adidas template, hmm. um, which is they have a sort of a very, very thin, thick black uh, on this one a very very thick black band running slightly diagonally um from the uh, the well i suppose it would be the right of the shirt down to the left and then there's a, a white band a thinner white band underneath it and it, it's just a very very striking design and it, it, it feels odd because normally a sash or you know a band like that would be nearer the chest or kind of the middle of the shirt and it's the fact that it's it's right near the bottom of the shirt it just the, it's kind of jarring at first, but it's a very, very interesting design. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. The exact um, same template that Middlesbrough have this season. That's right. Yeah, oh, it is, isn't it? That's right, yes. Uh, but And like I say, quite a lot of the, I think from looking at the qualifiers, it seems that quite a lot of the smaller nations also have this new template, uh, which, again, kind of, I don't know. I like it when you first see it, and then when you suddenly start seeing it in loads of different colorways, you think... Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you quickly, <laughs> very, very quickly get used to it and it loses the impact. But I yeah. think when I first saw it, it was just like, wow, that's new and interesting. Yes. It kind of reminded me, sorry to go on. It kind of reminded <laughs> me of when Admiral took over Gibraltar's kits. Oh, yeah. They had yeah. a very sort of similar design, but the, the band, the thicker band was higher up. And then I think it had, it basically, it was, I think it was following the kind of Admiral sort of stripe design. Mm. And then they had thinner stripes underneath it. 
Yes. No, you're, you're quite right, Andy. It's, um, it's um, a variation on the Middlesbrough template, although theirs is a red shirt as well, but it's got a, a thick white diagonal band rather than black. Um, uh, but it's yeah, on Luxembourg, it sort of looks quite nice. It's quite a nice um, sort of dark. I think it is a slightly darker red than your your, your average. Uh, red, black and white looks quite nice, really. Um, but yeah, that... that well, their colours have always been red, white and blue. That's yes. Their flag. Mm. Um, I've been out and seen some football in Luxembourg, um, only club football, but uh, yeah, they were very traditional, just a sort of exact copy of what Czechoslovakia used to wear, really. Yes. Red, white and blue. Yes, indeed. It's kind of odd, really, if you think about it, because like, Luxembourg are wearing red, white and black, and then you've got Middlesbrough wearing sort of red, white and blue, and if, if anything, they should perhaps swap, because that little thin blue stripe on the Middlesbrough shirt, to me, just kind of jars a bit it just doesn't it shouldn't, shouldn't be there but if it if that was black on the middlesbrough show it wouldn't look so bad but and then maybe give the blue bit to luxembourg <clears throat> maybe we can get the two together and they can do an exchange deal somewhere in the you know in the middle of france or somewhere on a motorway they can just sort of give each other their kits uh we'll get on to that <clears throat> um now elsewhere in the um world cup qualifiers in europe um i spotted as i think probably a few did um moldova playing in wales um, early in September, and they were wearing a bright yellow kit, and it was quite sort of striking. But what was interesting about it, um, if you can find a picture of this online, hopefully, by the way, sorry, just to jump in on my own conversation here, uh, we'll try and provide links to all these um, pictures and all these kits on our accompanying blog post on thefootballattic.com. So just to save you a bit of time searching for these things, we will try and provide links. Um, and the Moldova away kit, yeah, it's all yellow. And um, it was just quite striking. But the interesting bit about it is that down the sides of the shirts, there's a sort of wide white panel. And on that is this, what I can only guess is a sort of ethnic Moldovan pattern that kind of goes down that white panel in blue. Um, I've not really seen the, the, the pattern up close, but it's kind of, it's an interesting, it's quite a bold design actually but um in fact i'm trying to remember who does the moldova kit i'll have to expand my picture on my screen that shows you how prepared i am i've forgotten who the manufacturer is um it's someone like is it jacko or somebody like that i'll come back to you on that but anyway well worth hunting down if you can see a picture of that it's a nice um sort of you don't see too many countries wearing all yellow and uh, this has got some nice, interesting sort of details, some some interest. That would be a change for them because their mm. home kit is traditionally blue, and yes. their away kit is red, which obviously you know they couldn't have worn against Wales. So I'm wondering if they've it changed is, their uh, home colours. It is Jacko, isn't it? It is. I'm just reading on Footy headlines. It says there it's a unique away kit. So mm. let's just scroll down here. Do it's very nice. Uh, yeah, it is Jacko. Yes, Jacko. However, they pronounce Jacko. Um, bespoke looking yellow, white, and blue. I thought it was a blue pattern, but I'm not, I'm looking at another picture and it looks black now. No, so it is, it is. No, it's it's got blue. It says uh, looking yellow, white, and blue on the shirt. It says the standout features traditional white, red, and black Moldovian sorry Moldavian graphic pattern on the side of the shirt, while all of the parts, such as the white classic collar, are pretty standard. There you go. But yeah, I think um, I suspected something like what you were saying there, um, Andy, in that. It, because I thought they don't normally wear yellow unless I've missed something all these years. But um, yeah, whether that it sounds a bit like it might be a one-off strip for them, but um, but it's quite nice, just some interesting detail. Um, so um, and, and a first, I think a first mention for Jacko or Jaco, however you pronounce their uh, that, that particular manufacturer on our podcast. So there you go, and we can cross Moldova off our list as well. <laughs> um, 
the only other sort of news, a few other bits and pieces of news, um, uh, Puma have uh, released their first few kits for the African Cup of Nations 2017, which is going to be going on in January. Um, the first qualifiers are now known, and they've released uh, the kits and certainly the shirts for Cameroon, Ghana, and Ivory Coast. And as you would appreciate, if it's made by Puma uh, and it's for an African team, there's going to be some interesting kind of specific detail that's... Um, purely significant from the point of view of that particular country so for instance the cameroon kit or the cameroon shirt i should say is green as you'd appreciate but it's got red a red band down the sleeves a yellow collar but on all of these three countries on the back of their shirts it's more about what's on the back of the shoulders really rather than what's on the front and on the back of the cameroon shirt you've got this uh, very nice again it's a kind of a, sorry use the term it's like an ethnic sort of pattern like a red big red panel across the back of the shoulders then a thin yellow stripe and then a kind of speckled kind of red pattern below it which is uh, echoed on the cuffs as well uh, Ghana is a white shirt with a black panel on the back of the shoulders and black stars and on the back of the Ivory Coast shirt um, which is orange you've got a green panel and white elephant tusks on the back so it's here we get a rare example of a manufacturer who's actually trying to give you something to look at on the backs of the shirts as well as on the front. What do you make of that, fellas? Andy, very nice. Yeah, I agree. Big fan. Um, Puma's... Sorry, go on, uh, Rich. I was just going to say, again, uh, Puma... I, I don't know what it is with Puma, but they just sort of seem to manage to nail this every time they do it. <laughs> I think... I And I've said this before. I think, I think Afri- the African teams that have Puma are very very lucky to have them because it seems that they they try every time especially for the uh the cup of nations they actually do really try to give them even though it's a template kit they do add something to everything that makes it unique i mean that ghana shirt looks so beautiful it's so retro i'm not even mm. talking about the back here just the front this sort of i mean i'm not i'll be honest i'm not a massive fan of that neck but i, can't I was just gonna say that use it mm. but the the shirt itself from the front just looks amazing. The, the, just the, sim, the plain black star on the front. It just looks ace. I'm, yeah. I, and just the fact that you then got the bit on the back. I, just, I think Puma have, have done so well with the African kits down the years. And, and they've stuck to this tried and tested formula of one template for them all, but customized for each nation. Mm. And normally, like for instance, Nike's vaporware template, that to me makes everything feel half-hearted that all these different nations have got the same shirt but with the puma ones it's like it's i don't know it's like they've actually they've they've just in rather than just sort of saying right oh we're just going to give you all the same template we've gone right this for the africa cup nations all our shirts are going to be exactly the same but they're going to be completely different and then <laughs> the same sentence it's very clever it's isn't really, it yeah, it is. It's like, you know, it's rather than just going, oh, you've got our latest template, you've got our latest template, off you pop. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, we've actually made them bespoke per team, but based all on the same one. So you've got a uniform look for all the African nations. And I think it works especially well at World Cups because obviously all the African nations, um, not that I'm, I'm saying all African nations, you know, I'd like this massive conglomerate because I think we had this accusation before of Mr. James Taylor that mm-hmm. the idea that all African nations, it's like Africa's one big place that everyone's like really happy and there's no, you know, conflict between any of the, the countries there. The unity kit. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, so I'm not trying to say that, but I like the fact that when they work with a continent, they've gone for this sort of, 
this sort of unified look. I I like it, and I like that idea, and especially in like I say at World Cups because you have this particularly group of teams all turning up representing one confederation who all have like you know similar kits. It's it, it is like a sort of a unity theme. But so I don't care, Mister Taylor. <laughs> I like it, um, but that might be my old colonial view of the world i don't know <laughs> yeah it could be surreptitiously colonial i don't <laughs> it's a throwback to a previous generation in the johnson family <laughs> i don't think so um, have you got a particular favorite out of those um uh andy yeah those three I, I think i'm a big fan of the cameroon one i really love it i just like the way the colors work together because traditionally they, they have just a plain green shirt with red mm-hmm. shorts and yellow socks but i love all three colors on the shirt here um, I think that the design of the shirt, it mirrors that Puma Austria 78 style yes. band on the, on the sleeve going all the way down, you know, to the cuff. Um, on those ones, they were getting thinner and thinner, which is a design element I've liked. But I just think that looks fantastic. It, it that shows all three colours so well on the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the cuffs on all those three um, are all the same in that they've got like a triangular repeating pattern along the edge of the cuffs actually which is rather nice space invaders doesn't it <laughs> there is a bit of that going on yes um but yeah i think like you said rich i think the only thing i find slightly disagreeable about it is the um is the the, the neckline really um it sort of goes down diagonally from the neck sort of downwards and then it gets sort of cut off straight flat at the bottom there's no sort of pointed v-neck collar it's um it's a strange shaped collar that's the only aspect of it perhaps that i'm not overly fond of but everything else i just love the fact that they can kind of you know design something individually for a particular country within a framework of a template um i think you're quite right rich it sort of shows exactly what nike maybe should have been doing with their vaporware thing and not just kind of turning the handle on the sausage machine and churning more out you know yeah. for, for different countries but there we are. Again, I think I think it's a great template in itself as well. And I think, like I say, I think to me, Puma are the king of templates. They they just seem to have a knack of getting really good at it. They have come up with some absolute crap as well. Because, like I say, the <laughs> one that Coventry had a couple of seasons ago with that awful kind of uh, stripe design at the bottom, and then the sort of um, the the cut off across, like this swirling, or sort of like a swooping cut off panel at the top, is just awful. <laughs> they get it right. They they absolutely nail it. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. And I dare say, as more um, uh, teams qualify for the uh, Africa Cup of Nations next year, we'll get more. Um, kit releases from Puma for that tournament. So we'll um, give you details about that as and when the details become available. Um, we've got some news about Germany, but just before we come on to that, just um, one other thing, which is just the um, the, and- the Andorra kits were released, um, which I know you absolutely were a f- huge fan of, Rich. Uh, they are the home and away kits for Andorra, as were seen in the uh, Euro qualifiers for the World Cup recently. Well, I mean, where to start? It's like somebody from Hummel sneaked into the Adidas office and sort of planted their designs because they're just mad. Try and and describe them if you can, Rich, please. My eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, I I quite like what I'm assuming is the hope. I think, yeah, Andorra playing yellow, don't they? 
Uh, I don't know. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. I've not watched a lot of Andorran football down the years. You'll have to forgive no, me. Well, and well, Andy's been to I mean, Luxembourg. I love that actually. Can I just <laughs> say that, Andy? I loved your phrase earlier. Yeah, what was it you said when I said, "Oh, yeah, I went to I was I watched some football in Luxembourg. I just went to a few matches." <laughs> How many people that don't live in Luxembourg can actually utter that phrase? Um, so, <laughs> so, Andy, have you been to Andorra? Watched any football? No, not that part of Europe. I'm afraid. Oh, useless. No. Oh, and there's um, me thinking you were a credible source. Yeah, <laughs> get him <laughs> off. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Andorra playing in yellow, uh, but I'm also going, I'm basing that mostly on the fact that the yellow kit's on the left. That's the <laughs> Sorry, so I, I apologise, Andorra. I'm pretty sure. Kit. Oh, it is? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what I said was, if you're trying to be edited, this is that Andorra definitely playing red. Well, the red one's the worst of the lot. I mean... <laughs> Right, so I will start with the red one then. So the red is a it's a red shirt with what looks to be uh, lots of yellow pinstripes going down the front of it, and then yellow sort of sleeve things with blue stripes and a kind of blue band on sleeves, and then the end of the sleeves are red. Now, if you can imagine that, and you might be struggling with it, I grant you, uh, then that's exactly how it looks. You know, if you imagine a horrific shirt, that's what it looks like. And the away, the yellow, is a yellow shirt with blue sort of side panels that run onto the uh, sleeves, and then lots of blue horizontal sort of fixed, well, no, well, kind of medium-sized bands, hoops, bands, whatever, horizontal stripes. But they start just below what would normally be the chest area. So it's like, like it's almost like there's a yellow chest panel and then blue and yellow horizontal stripes underneath. It's, it is really difficult to describe these. And then on top of that, they've got the red blues. But they are, to be honest, I, I like wacky shirts, but these are a mess. I, I, re- I do like <laughs> the yellow and blue one because I like the yellow and blue together. Um, but they are an absolute pigging mess. <laughs> I was thinking recently, um, I noticed that um, Romania have started wearing Joma kits. And I'm thinking the reason for that maybe is because Adidas were about to offer these to Romania. <laughs> and they went, no, sorry, no dice. We're going over to some other company. Um, um, thoughts there, uh, Andy? Uh, any any observations you want to make other than yeah. it looks like a poorly designed test card from 1976? It's like they've offered the chance of uh, to a class of school children to design a kit, and then they've taken one idea from each child, <laughs> one kit, and said, "Okay, that will do." It's too, fact, too busy. All, it, all it needs is a sash shadow print on it, and then you've got the whole pretty much every single element of kit design in there. I was going to use exactly the same metaphor about school children, but I wasn't going to say one from each child in the class, and that's that's the that's the key detail that you've nailed it there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I mean. Um, I don't know what chance there is of seeing an Andorra shirt in your local high street shop, but um, you'll know it when you see it. That's all I'll say, um, if it ever appears. So there we are. Uh, that's from the wacky bin for this week. And um, um, other than that, uh, there's news about Germany and uh, the colour of shirt that they will be wearing away from home. Rich, uh, exciting news, isn't it? If you like it sort is. of thing. <laughs> I was going to say for us, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, Germany going back to a green away kit. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, I like I like the fact that it says they for the first time since and then it's a 2012. It's like it's not that long ago. <laughs> but then the so the worst part about the 2012 kit was it didn't get worn at Euro 2012 because the 2012 one was ace. 
It looked mm. very much like their classic sort of uh, 70s um, and 80s of green away kit, which was very bright green and just plain white colour. Very nice. I never got, I bought that. Never got seen, really. Yeah, I bought it as well. I couldn't <laughs> resist it. Um, but the green they're going back to, it's more on the kind of, well, the, the, the blurb for it says um, that it's kind of more of the... 1990 Italia kit, and it's very similar to the green they started wearing at, say, Euro '92 mm. um, and and World Cup '94. Well, I don't think they actually wore their away kit at Euro uh, World Cup, no. but the one they had at the time. So it's a kind of turquoisey green, which I'm not overly keen on because I never really like them deviating from the standard green. But I would take that over red and black or grey or whatever the hell <laughs> it was they had recently. Um, any day, so I'm very happy. Apparently, it's going to be worn uh, by the women first at the uh, the Euros in July. So it will be seen first on the ladies, um, and then it will transfer over to the men as well. Cool, good news. We like stuff like that. I mean, I'm all for do is change the shitty badge they've got because they need to get the. Again, I did, I, I, sorry to rant about the badge. Uh, I think I've, I can't think. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. Uh, the badges look stupid on on the Germany kit because they, they they have this ridiculous black sort of band with the three colours underneath, um, which just is so unnecessary. It shrinks the whole badge. Stop hmm. doing that, Germany. Just get rid of that stupid band. We know what colours your flag is, and and the stupid thing is on this one, it's going to be white. So that's pointless, idiot. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, and then you've got the four stars above it just to kind of like, you know, yes, we know you're a good team. You've won the World Cup four times. We can find that out in a book. We don't need to see four stars above your badge. <laughs> don't get me started on stars above badges. That's another thing. Anyway, um, but good good news, though. I presume you, you're in agreement on that one, Andy. I mean, it's, it's got to wear green away from home, surely, haven't they, Germany? Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, there you go. So that's all very good. And while we're talking about national team kits, the only other bit of news before we finish the kit news section is that on the last podcast we were talking about the uh, soon-to-be-released Denmark home kit from Hummel. We didn't know exactly what it was going to look like because we only had a, a blurred image, I think, at the time. But um, it turned out to be pretty much, I think, certainly as, as you thought it was going to be, Rich, which is just a, effectively a plain red shirt with a kind of stylized collar, white chevrons down the sleeves because it's Hummel. Uh, there is a kind of shadow print, like a, a kind of shadowy figure, like the kind of Shroud of Turin, almost like on the. And I can't see what it is. I don't know if anybody's been able to identify that I think, yet. I think it's some kind of Norse mythology. Oh, that would work, thing. I suppose, if you like that kind of thing. Yes, but essentially a, a plain, a plainer kit than plainer shirt than a home shirt than the away one, which is a bit of a pity. But I've seen it. I've seen it worn in the qualifiers, and it looked okay. It's not classic, but it looked fine. So there we go. So this that image we can see are the sleeves odd. The, the, looks a bit like it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah they look looks like slightly the different. Ends. Unless the picture's been cut at a different position on mm. the side, they, they look slightly yeah. odd. What we're seeing, yeah, listeners, do. is that one one cuff has got a sort of um, thin white stripe just above the edge of the of the cuff, whereas the other cuff has got a sort of solid, wider white band that goes right up to the edge. If that makes any sense, but um, yes, I'm not sure. It might be a kind of dodgy picture or something but um i'll have to look into that hmm. Hmm. there you go well spotted well spotted hmm. two points to andy rockle uh right anyway that's kit news for this podcast and we uh now can I, can I just say can i just say i think it's really dull well yeah i like i like the shadow print but other than that what a missed opportunity considering <laughs> the away shirt sorry i'm old but 
you had your chance and you ruined it. Get back to Adidas. No, I'm joking. No, I, don't, I just think it's a real shame because, I, like I said before, I really hope they didn't go for a really plain, boring Denmark home shirt, and they did. So, Yeah. Yeah, you know what Hummel are like. They've got this kind of Jekyll and Hyde character where they kind of come up with very simple ones and then they go completely bizarre. So, um, in fact, only today, a um, good friend of mine, Terry DeFellen, who's a, something of a German football fanatic, um, he um, he must have been watching Freiburg playing uh, only last night as we're recording this, and he put a, a picture up on um, on Twitter, and it was a picture of the Freiburg uh, third kit that was worn, or third shirt, I should say, and it was a Hummel shirt. And he said, I can't remember what the exact comment was, but it's something like, "God, you can't argue with that Hummel uh, with that um, Freiburg third shirt." And the reason why is it's kind of like um, a, a sort of army green kind of color but it's got red detailing all over it it's got red chevrons imagine that dark green and red um red collar and the word the, the hummel word markers on there and it and yes yeah, it's like only hummel could do that and i was gonna say and get away with it it's arguable word whether they actually do that or not but um you've got to admire their balls as uh, as was once said in uh, blackadder um anyway um we move on now to the uh, main topic for our, cop, uh, for, our, for our podcast this time around. We are going back 40 years uh, to the 1976-1977 first division season. And here we break with the tradition of previous podcasts, because normally we just pick a tournament like the World Cup in some year or other, or the Euros, and look at the kits in that. But this time we're looking at a complete season, uh, looking at uh, as many different kits from as many different teams as we can. Uh, in this case, the English first division uh, now, 1976-77 was something of a um, groundbreaking year in certain ways. It was the first season that you had red and yellow cards used domestically in English football. It was the uh, the season when goal difference replaced goal average. Um, so there was kind of new things being brought into the uh, the football firmament, you might say. And kit-wise, there were also some breakthroughs happening, some new directions uh, that uh, kits were going in. An interesting season there, Andy. And um, I mean, a lot of the, the kit designs were sort of quite simple and somber and, you know, nothing kind of too ostentatious about them. But there were new ones coming through online. How do you how do you view 76, 77 in, in general terms, kit wise? I think it was the beginning or it was the end of the real traditional kits. Um, mm. Things rarely changed. You'd probably only just seen manufacturers logos added to shirts. There wasn't much additional detail, with some exceptions. Yep. Um, but, you know, a lot of the Umbro kits, and there were so many of those, were just mm. really traditional, just the colours and then just a bit of Umbro taping on, on the sleeves. And, uh, yeah, just some really good kits for the time. Yeah. But they, they very quickly, within two seasons, look incredibly dated. <laughs> Yes. Um, I mean, Rich, this is, um, as, as Andy sort of said, really, you're, you're starting to see, this was kind of, I think this was kind of like year zero as far as kind of real proper kit designs is concerned because of the introduction of those motifs that, that Andy just mentioned. Um, and what's interesting is that you would think mid-70s, everyone thinks, I think, Admiral, as, as that's real sort of Admiral territory. And yet out of the 22 teams in the first division, they only had six uh, clubs on their kind of roster. They only provided kit for six of the clubs. Umbro had 13. Umbro was the big giant, really, in the whole kit manufacturing sort of setup, really. 
Um, but what do you think of their kits, Umbro's kits? Because they, they tended to be sort of contrasting colour uh, for the collar and then a bit of taping down the sides, the shirt and, and stuff like that. What do you make of their kits? Um, well, the funny thing is, I think this, like you say, with it being sort of year zero, um, I think this really does show, and it kind of backs up Andy's point as well, about the, the transition from traditional to modern because if you look at umbro's shirts apart from i mean i quite like the taping down the thing and i think that down the sleeves and i think that kind of adds a, a touch of modernity because it's very commercialized um mm. but when you look at say like arsenal's shirt who made arsenal's actually was that an umbro? probably umbro yeah i mean that's literally you i think that's probably the most plain one um that you can get because it's literally just the it, it's a bog standard arsenal shirt you know kind of red uh red body white sleeves um and your away shirt is just all yellow so that's probably the plainest shirt but then you get down to the the admiral ones and that's where kit design is really kicking in and again it just really shows how groundbreaking the admiral really were mm. because all of the admiral the only ones that have any kind of real modern details on them are all admiral ones so you've got say that the leeds one which is it's fairly plain um so but you've got the the trim on the collar has got like extra stripes on it and you've got the v-neck has got multiple stripes on the v-neck you've got leicester who have got um uh the that is admiral isn't it before yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so you've got you've got um the admiral logos on the v-neck itself and then these kind of flashes running like they're almost like shoulder flashes um yeah and so all of the kits and i'm I'm just deliberately ignoring the the tramline kits at the moment because they're just so wacky you know and so modern and it just really shows that admiral were ahead of everyone else because everyone else's designs are kind of i mean again the man united away shirt with the stripes down the side the offset stripes Mm. and the the norwich shirts with again the sort of neck on it they all just look so much you know more i'll just say more different than realize that was an awful (laughs) phrase they just look so much more modern than everything else and yeah it's 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 a very interesting season in that sense because you have like almost like a beginning middle and end so you've got arsenal then you've got the umbro stuff and then you've got the admiral shirts and and yet the very funny thing is is that about six years later admiral themselves looked incredibly dated Mm, mm. yeah well i mean that's that's the thing um i mean at the time i I could being born in 71 i can just about remember seeing the tail end of all these kind of admiral and umbro designs kind of on their way out really and I think they kind of looked okay at the time, but as soon as the 1980s arrived, you just suddenly had kits that were distinctively made in the 70s, and they just it just felt wrong. And that's why so many of them were kind of replaced pretty quickly when the when the 80s arrived. But they kind of stuck around for a while, some of those kits. But um, um, I mean, with regards to the Umbro kits, um, the distinctive feature that, that came in this season was the taping, and basically what you had there was sort of two parallel stripes going down the sleeves and on on the shorts and inside those lines you had solid diamonds but the following year um umbro then brought in i think the hollow diamonds as well so you and depending on which team you were looking at and whose kits some some teams went for the hollow diamonds some went with solid ones ultimately though i think john devlin did a thing about this recently and some teams actually had the same taping, but without the lines, the parallel lines down either side. So there was about three or four different combinations of uh, how you could you know, use that taping. It's quite versatile. 
but it was for me it was the admiral kits that really sort of stood out they just looked so much more modern as you said they're rich so uh that's that much has to be said but coming back to your team uh andy i mean tottenham we rich mentioned tottenham a moment ago uh tottenham and arsenal ironically the two north london giants were still hanging on to their kits that they'd had since like the late 60s and uh, and they were almost on their way out but how how i'm interested to know how you feel as a tottenham supporter seeing tottenham that year wearing such a plain obviously an older style kit when so many new kits were coming online is it do you sort of think that's all right it's a, it's a good traditional looking kit, or do you think it's a bit embarrassing really because it looks so old compared to say the the admiral tram lines and so on what do you what's your view on all that genuinely would be happy if we could wear that forever and a day <laughs> i had a feeling you was going to say that but that's all yeah. right just it's just just plain white no trim the, the non-contrasting cuffs and collar just the the maker's uh, name or badge and and the cockerel on a ball um, i'd be didn't happy with that forever and more didn't spurs have i think it was was it a kappa one that was very similar to that with just a very very plain white one yeah yes sort of yeah 2000s. i think it'd been the second yeah i'd really like that because again I mean, I mean it's like the leeds one that who uh who was it did the leeds one oh, i'm trying to think now was that oh um asics was it Oh yes, yes. yeah, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, only a bow That's it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes, the one Beautiful. everyone knows it as. I mean, again, yeah, that was a perfect example of how just a completely plain shirt can just look really good. It just mm. depends. I guess it depends on I don't know what's gone before and 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 everything else that goes with it. But yeah, I, I really liked. Uh, the the cap one and that does look very nice too but it's quite funny because the is the away on that has that got a big flappy collar on it yes that one did yeah which again just shows it's a shame really because the funny thing is nowadays obviously if someone went for that very plain design that would be a very deliberate design choice but you can't help get the feeling with this one it was just because that's what just what they always did you know it's just like there wasn't. It's, it always feels like there wasn't really much thought into it at all because the away looks so old and dated now. It just kind of shows where their where their design um, thinking was at. Yeah, mm. that one looks. I mean, a lot of the Umbro kits of that time had um, a V neck and wing collar, and yeah. uh, this is this is. I wouldn't say it's more modern, but it's it's like a, a polo shirt collar, you know, with a mm. not a button so to speak, but that kind. You know, not an actual V-neck. It's just yeah. two pieces fold over each other. <laughs> Whether that comes yeah. out clearly in the picture or not, I don't know. But Well, um, I mean, with regards to Tottenham and Arsenal's kits, um, uh, I think this was the last season Tottenham wore their one um, before um, they got the Admiral... Well, they, they switched from Umbro to Admiral the following season. And, of course, at that point, then you get the Admiral taping and all the accoutrements of their design, which looked terrific. Um, and Arsenal's one went on till, I think it was 81, was it? I think they, they finally, <laughs> or 82, something like that. They, kind of, they, they just held on to that kit forever. Um, I mean, yes, the, I, I get the sort of traditional angle that you're just sort of saying there, Andy, and, and obviously it would have been quite popular with fans. But I just think particularly when you're going into the 1980s and you're seeing all these kind of silky nylon kind of shirts coming out, as an Arsenal supporter, you get to 1981 and you're looking around thinking, hello, have we been forgotten here? When are we going to get a modern shirt? There must come a point, surely, when you kind of start thinking that you're being left behind. But, um, but there it is. Um, I suppose once you make that leap, then you're getting into commercialisation and, well, 
I mean, shirt sponsorship and all that was just around the corner as well. But um, but curious, though, um, there are a few um, anomalies, let's say. There are certain teams that were in the first division in 76-77 that were wearing kits that had rather quirky elements to them. And we have to start off with Queen's Park Rangers. We have to because basically it is a freak show all of its own, completely unique because they had four different home shirts during that season. That's four and three different away shirts, away kits were worn. Um, what's interesting, I think, is that actually QPR were the only team that season wearing an Adidas kit. And I think it might actually be the first season that anybody in the first division wore, ever wore an Adidas kit in 76, 77. Did, I don't know if either of you two know of any other examples from maybe slightly before that, but I think that's the first, that's when we first saw an Adidas logo on a shirt, I think. Definitely. Uh, QPR were the first, and I believe Notts County on their away kit. Why they had different home and away, I don't know. But their away kit was Adidas that season uh, in the second division. Right. But QPR first in the first division. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I can do better than that, Andy. I mean, in terms of kind of like why they had Adidas only on the away kits. One of... Uh, one or two of QPR's kits had an Adidas shirt and Umbro's shorts. So they actually yes. mixed in the same kit. Um, so, um, I mean, they, they basically started off, I think, um, first game of the season, they had a shirt with very narrow um, hoops, blue and white hoops. Then they kind of switched to another one which had broader hoops, a bit more kind of in the traditional style that we know nowadays, and had a blue ringneck collar. Um, then they had another one which was pretty much the same, but it had a white ring neck collar and then the an, an, added, an Adidas logo, which the previous one didn't. And then they had another one which um, had a really odd kind of wrap over collar that was half white and half blue. Um, so they, as the season was going on, Adidas was sort of basically saying, no, try this one. No, try this one. Have a go with this one. And, and it's, I don't know what was going on, but you, you could put it down to Adidas's inexperienced maybe with kind of providing kit for a team over an entire season. Although they, I mean, they had lots of experience in on the continent providing kit for teams in, you know, France and Germany. So whether they just had somebody stationed in the UK that just didn't have any experience in the real world with this, I don't know, but it's just peculiar. And I say three away kits as well. Um, one was an Umbro shirt, red and white halves. One was an Adidas shirt, red and white halves, and they also had a third one that was worn um, at West Ham. I think it was a white shirt with blue trim, um, and I think that was Umbro as well. So, I just that's about as mad as it gets for any one team wearing lots of different designs and different manufacturers and all sorts. Very peculiar. Um, nowadays, of course, they just do a fan consultation before the season starts and says pick, pick one of those, and then they just get on with it. But uh, it was different back in those days. Um, now, there were a lot of teams wearing uh, new kits these, this season. You had Birmingham, Bristol City, Derby, Everton, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, Newcastle, Norwich, QPR, Stoke and West Ham. They were all wearing new kits. So, I mean, Rich, that's that's quite extraordinary. How many is that? One, two, three, four, six, nine. That's about 13, I make it, out of 22. So to have so many, even back then, having so many teams all wearing new kits for that season, um, Therein you have, I think, a, a signpost that sort of says commercialism this way, surely. I think I think um, what would be interesting to see as well is how long a lot of those kits lasted because I know certainly uh, in those days, you know, the fact that a lot of teams got new kits was a, a big thing, but at the same time, even then, those kits tended to last a long time. It's like the 
what was it? The England one, the Admiral one from 1974, wasn't it? That lasted mm. up until about 1980 or something. Yeah. Like six years for a kit. You know, that would be unheard of nowadays. Six months, you know, for a kit yep. would be seen as, as a long time these days, but not really. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it is really interesting. Um, so, and, and of those, how many were Admiral and how many were Umbro? Oh, yeah. Um, so again, that would be. Let's see if we can figure this one out. So, yeah, Birmingham. Look at the list. A lot of them. A lot of the Admiral ones seem to be new. Although quite a lot are actually uh, Umbro as well. A lot of Umbro. Liverpool got their new kit, which was became sort of synonymous as uh, the Hitachi kit, of course. Uh, subsequently, um, five or six season shirt, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I believe so. Excuse me. The only changes that they made from their kits was both of the shirts were the same, except for going from a round neck to a V neck. Mm. They were the only actual design element changes yeah. uh, from the previous kits. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I think, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. I was going to raise a point then. I forgot what it was now. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, basically of all those teams wearing new kits, I think there were a, a reasonable selection. Some of them were Umbro, some, were, some of them were Admiral. Uh, there was even, let's say, QPR that had Adidas as well. So there's a lot of kind of swapping and changing around going on. Um, but um, I can't remember the point I was going to make. I do apologize. Oh, that's right. It's all coming back to me now like a horrible dream. Um, you were saying, Rich, about how long these kits lasted. Well, quite a few of them actually were around, if they were introduced this season, 76, 77, and were still being worn up until like 1980, 81. Your Coventry tram lines, which we will now allow you to discuss if you wish, um, they were worn until 8081. Aston Villa's kit, that was worn until 8081. So a lot of these were, yeah, these were like five-year deals, which, as I say, just seems so bizarre by modern standards. And that's what I mean. So it's like, on the one hand, you've got all these new kits, um, but at the same time, it's like they then lasted for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, it could could purely have been coincidence then that, you know, all these new kits happen to be sort of done i mean i suppose it also depends who they had before because a lot of these could have been new kit deals where old kit deals had expired with different manufacturers so it's like on the one hand you look at that stand you think wow you know it's the start of commercialism which you know looking at the designs everything it clearly was that era but at the same time it's like but commercialism was kind of slow to get going mm. really it's like hey a new kit deal but we'll still do it the old-fashioned <laughs> way of having them for six years you know it's like you know the concept where it was almost like kind of yeah, we know, we kind of know what we're doing here. We're going to make money. It's like, but we don't quite know how to fully monetize this thing. You know, kind of. <laughs> I suppose it was only really when replica shirts took off, to be honest, that that changing your kit hmm. from a commercial point of view made sense. Because otherwise, it wouldn't have made sense. Because you're almost just, you know, I, I don't, I, I never understand how kit deals work. It's it's the manufacturer that pays to have to make the kit, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe so. so. Like Adidas pays say chelsea several million pounds to make their kit to me that just seems insane it's like we're going to make something for you and we're going to pay you to make it for it but i, I know how it works because they then get the money from the replica shirts i guess but it's such an odd thing isn't it it's like we're yeah. going to pay you to make you the shirts it's <laughs> like uh, that's not normally how it works you know kind of you're paying for the privilege of like providing the shirts I'm just sort of thinking if you sort of turn that on your on its head, so the club would sort of say, Yes, well, you know, we we, we want more money for you from you for providing the kit. Otherwise we'll go and um go to Sports Direct and buy some. And it's, it's like what it's a kind of odd bargaining position you find yourself in. As a club, you can sort of demand more money for 
for providing the kit, but it's just strange. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but anyway, there it is. It's, it is very strange, but but I, and I suppose that's the thing. So at the time, it wouldn't really made much sense because the, no manufacturer would have been getting any any revenue from replica sales, which I believe must surely be how they actually make their money. I, mm. I mean, someone someone will know. Shaky will know this, you know, because he knows everything. Um, <laughs> Um, but it's so it, at the time it wouldn't have made sense to keep changing it. It was only when replica shirts sort of came along, and you know manufacturers could make money from that sort of revenue yeah. stream. And that was only they, um, they maybe a couple of years away, I suppose. That was. And once that took off, that would have seen a dramatic sort of shortening of kit cycles. Because if you're going to sell replica shirts, you're not going to have the same one for six in a six in a row. Because after year one, everyone's bought one. So <laughs> yeah. They would figure out all that stuff, I guess, as they were going along. Um, yeah. going, going back to some of the quirky details, Andy, I mean, there's, it's strange when you're doing the research and all this, kind of what crops up, really. Um, for instance, um, you've got – well, actually, here's one thing. Something that I know you found in your notes. Derby County, so they had a new Umbro kit this season, which had the piping down the sleeves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You seem to have found two shirts that I didn't know really existed, or at least I've not seen them before. One of them seems to be, have I got this right, a blue and white sort of Argentina striped shirt? Is that oh, right? White with a uh, navy blue collar and cuffs. Yeah, yeah. And that it's was one. So it's uh, listing all their kits through, through the years, so it seems to be quite genuine. Wow. I've heard it, they had a kit recently um, that Archie Gemmell um, was on part of the kit launch, and it referred to it that it's a kit they'd previously worn, yeah. pale blue and white stripes. Um, and they used Gemmel because of him, his success <laughs> in, our, in a 78 World Cup. Yeah. Uh, tenuous wow. link, but nevertheless. <laughs> now you've got to make use of the stars of the day, I suppose, in whatever way you can. Um, yeah, I've never seen that. And, and there's also a red version of the Umbro shirt as well, um, a red equivalent with white collar and so on from uh, equivalent to the home kit, which I've not seen, although I know that Derby have worn red, had worn red earlier in the seventies as well. So that's less of a surprise to me, but I still haven't seen that one. So some interesting ones for, for them. Um, and then uh, the other sort of one I was certainly going to sort of pick out really um, was Middlesbrough. Now we've had a bit of a discussion about this before. Um, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm not sure whether we can class Middlesbrough's kit in 76, 77 as being new for a start off because the only change from the previous year's kit, which was also made by Buckter, um, is that the, the, the badge, the, the lion badge on the white horizontal stripe um, changed from red to black. And I think the socks changed from red to white. So not strictly a new kit, but they've made some tweaks to the kit. And also the Buckter logo appeared as well. In some ways, that's not the most interesting or important bit. It's the away kits. Um, Middlesbrough's away kit was a lovely white uh, 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 ensemble. It had a white shirt, pale blue shorts, and white socks. But really kind of quirky, and one for the uh, um, enthusiast, shall we say, if you can find evidence of it, is a blue and black version. Tell us about that, Andy, because I know you found that in your research. Uh, It's what I would describe as an Inter Milan-style shirt. It's blue and black. Um, striped shirt, um, which I've seen them, they've, they're again, historically referred to in a recent kit launch when they've had a similar kit, said it's a, a kit that they've worn in the past. Um, but I've only seen evidence of them pairing it with the sky blue shorts and socks from the away kit of that time. Right. Um, the only video evidence I could find was an FA Cup tie uh, against Liverpool. No reason why they couldn't have worn white with with sky blue shorts in that one, so I don't quite know why it was worn. 
Hmm. But um, it, it's something that they've got in their history, and it's uh, whether it's from previous season they've just used this. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. That game that I found, and it, it tallied up, you know, with with that era. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense. Borrowing um, a shirt from the previous season, certainly. Um, I saw them wearing it that same shirt, the blue and black striped shirt, in a uh, an away game at uh, Bristol City in December '76. But that one had they were wearing black shorts for that. So I'm not sure yes. where the black shorts came from. So, but it's but it was it looks like the same shirt, I think. But no reason why they couldn't have worn that at Anfield in the, the picture I've got here. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's a peculiar one. But I kind of like Middlesbrough in blue and black. That it sort of works really nicely. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, and uh, aside from that, I'm just trying to think what I was going to mention. Oh yes, yeah, Stoke City. Now they changed kits. Um, midway through the season, <laughs> rather strangely. Um, they started the season with their traditional red and white striped shirts with a white collar. Um, and then I think it was in um, February uh, of 1977, they then switched to another umbrosia that had a black collar and they also changed shorts as well. They had kind of black and red taping down the side of the shorts. Um, really strange things going on there. Just it's, It seemed very much the season where a team could just change a kit at any moment in the season, which, again, you wouldn't really sort of see nowadays. But um, uh, I think out of the two, I kind of prefer the Stoke uh, shirt with the black collar. Have you a view on that one, Rich? Uh, yeah, I, I prefer the black as well. Uh, it's, it looks a lot nicer. Mm. Um, interesting. Again, I tell you what's interesting about a lot of these kits is it's also an era where a lot of them didn't have badges. Mm. I've just noticed that. And I'll tell you what is. The funny thing with that Stoke shirt is the, the positioning of the Umbro logo, because that's what made me <laughs> notice there's no badge on it, really. It's very, very close to the centre. Instead of being on the red stripe, I guess they've moved it to the white stripe. <laughs> so you can see um, it. So that you can see the logo. Um, but although on the previous kit, it was on the red stripe. And to be fair, it doesn't stand out as much. But, I mean, that's, again, I suppose that's a, a clear um, sign of commercialism creeping in, because they've clearly moved their logo to a point which clearly does not look as nice on the shirt. But they've done that so you can see the Umbro logo properly. Mm. Now, that's odd in itself. Um, but again, very, very much smacks of shirt design and, and choices about shirts being made for commercial reasons. Um, the shorts on these are really nice. I like that with the, mm. the sort of black and red stripes down the side. It looks a lot better. But it doesn't particularly look any... I suppose the old one looks like it had a, an inset V-neck. Um, That's right. Did yes. Yeah. So I suppose it's more modern in that sense. But again, weird that they would, you know, it's strange that they would just change things halfway through. But then that was, <laughs> you know, crazy days back then. Crazy days indeed. Um, there were other, a few other quirky little sort of things that were probably only seen very fleetingly. Um, back to Tottenham again, there, Andy. I mean, they, I, I discovered they wore a blue, an all blue away kit just the once. I think um, uh, away to Leeds, which is a bit of a strange. Thing. There's no written explanation as to why they did um there's we've worn yellow at um, ellen road for many years since and uh, for, for a few years before leeds always wear yellow at white hot lane so there was no <laughs> white v yellow issue then um i, I just and it wasn't a, a, a admiral kit so it couldn't have been said oh that's a, a spare kit leeds have mm. it wasn't as this umbro so it wasn't known as a spurs kit but very very rare one-off one-off kit yeah Absolutely. And um, another mystery for me, and I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there that can clarify this, is um, what, strictly speaking, Liverpool's away kit was during the 76-77 season because the, the, the curtain raiser in the charity shield 
they faced Southampton and they wore what I think is quite a nice away kit, white shirt, white shorts and red socks. And the shirt had uh, red, the red V-neck, red cuffs. But I've been looking for evidence of what Liverpool wore away from home other than perhaps their home kit. And I can't find any evidence of anything. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the only away kit that they had. Um, I'm guessing that was their away kit, white, white and red. Have you seen anything there, Andy, in your research? I genuinely believe that they were white, black, white that season. And they only changed to the Red Sox because they clashed with Southampton in the Charity Shield. Yeah. In the cup final, Southampton had worn yellow against Manchester United. Yeah. But they won some more of the home shirts of uh, red and white striped shirts, black shorts, white socks. So mm. I think it was – there was big on uh, short clashes this year. Yes. Football League. Um, every game I've watched from, you know, on uh, YouTube from that season, it seemed to be quite a big issue with them, um, yeah. clubs not clashing short. So I think Liverpool um, donned a white pair that they might have just been a one-off. Mm-hmm. Um, but but John certainly when John Devlin um, did his kit thing for Liverpool, you remember there was the, the badges made. Yeah, I can't remember what the company was. That's not very useful for them. I'm a good one. He certainly had that as black shorts for that season. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love their flexibility though, because if they ever went and played at Upton Park, maybe white shirt, black shorts, and then use the home Red Sox. Yeah. To avoid, I always like that look. Yes. Um, very few, very few teams ever wore those colours. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, they did, and they, and they did wear white, black, and red on a number of occasions. I think certainly throughout the seventies at West Ham. Yeah, nice, very nice. Um, and um, one thing that I'm sure I discovered, I'm sure I didn't sort of miss research this a, a long while ago, is that I think Leeds were still wearing sock tags even as late as seventy six, seventy seven. Um, they certainly were on the away kit, but I think on the home kit. You know, back in like Don Revy's day, back in whenever that was seventy three or whatever, they when they introduced sock tags. On the home kit, they were they were blue. Well, it, actually, I discovered a while back that they switched to white sock tags on their white socks, uh, and I think they were wearing them in seventy six, seventy seven. I'm quite certain of that. So um, strange that they were still around because I always associate them with like early seventies, really that kind of thing. But uh, that was another little sort of quirky thing that um, came to light. And Rich, we have to come back to you. We have to discuss the tram lines, if only briefly. Um, there were, as we know, various colours, different styles as well as your pale blue, you had red, you had yellow, brown came in, of course, latterly. Um, other than the home kit, out of the red and yellow, which one would you prefer to have? Or which one would you prefer to see Coventry wearing? I would prefer to watch as an away kit, definitely yellow. Yep. I think I think it works nicely on this one as well. I'm, I'm, again, not a great fan of red kits, not a fan of Cov playing in red at all. Uh, so I'm naturally going to go for yellow, but yellow to me is Cov's away sh- uh, colour, and it should be. But the, I tell you, what's interesting about this is like on all the tram lines, usually the the tram line colours seem to differ from the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the home one, obviously the shirt's sky blue. The tram lines are white, and I think it's navy. I don't think it's black. And yeah. Navy. yeah. And on the away, same colours again. Uh, so red shirt, but the tram lines are white and probably navy as opposed to black. But on the, the third shirt, or the yellow one, the tram lines are black on the outside and then yellow in the middle rather mm. than white, which is interesting because <laughs> that then kind of blends with the shirt. But I quite like that. I, I like the look of it. It kind of, and it gives it, it makes it slightly different. Yeah. The brown one followed that pattern of just having um, white as the contrast with no third colour in between because it was brown mm. in between the white tram yes, lines. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. 
that came yeah. in the following years. Yes. Um, the thing to note with a lot of the Admiral kits that are around at uh, this time is that after 76, 77, uh, they sort of changed the sock turnover design. Um, initially, on uh, in this particular season, Admiral socks would, would, tend, would tend to have like three stripes on the turnover. So like for the Coventry kit, it would be like white, navy blue, white stripes on the turnover. But the following season, they brought in a new design for the sock turnovers, which is, had the, uh, the Admiral logo running all the way around the tops of the socks, which is a quite a nice sort of look. So, uh, but that came in the following season. It wasn't around in 76, 77, but uh, kind of just showed you how Admiral's brains were thinking, that, you know, can we make any tweaks to the uh, already existing kits? So, um, so there you are. Um, I mean, I think that's, if not all the teams mentioned, then most, and apologies if we've not mentioned your team, it's not because we don't like them or anything. I mean, the only other thing I was going to mention is just that there were a few sort of diagonal sashes around that season as well. You had uh, Man City had a white shirt with red and black diagonal sash. Um, Stoke City had their reverse red, black, red diagonal sash, which I think is a particularly nice one. I think discussed that with John Devlin at some point, probably on this podcast. Um, and my own team, West Ham, uh, they brought in their classic Chevron design by Admiral, which is, um, I, I think, something of a sort of classic, dare I say, in, in, in the realm of Admiral's kits down the years. Um, the one with the blue yoke and the four design, uh, four uh, Chevrons kind of pointing downwards on the, on the yoke there, um, a very distinctive design. And um, ultimately, the awake it was worn in the 1980 FA Cup final, albeit in an all-white version. But um, in 76, 77, it was white shirt, pale blue shorts, pale blue socks. And uh, yeah, that's one of my favourite West Ham kits ever, I think, probably. Certainly very fitting for the era and very nice, uh, very nice Admiral styling. So, just um, like Chris, that West Ham kit, this is a definite thing for Dennis Hurley, is the mix and matchness of that works perfectly. Because mm. you've got the way kit has white shirts, pale blue shorts, and pale blue socks, <laughs> and they could easily be transferred to uh, alleviate a sock clash or a short clash with a home kit. And as you said, that the home shorts and socks work so well with the white shirt um, to, to give contrast when needed. And as you say, in the in the cup final, yes. so that is a really good kit for those you know for those permutations. Yeah, yeah. I think Admiral did have a good good eye for that, actually, knowing being able to sort of swap and change elements of the kit for that exact reason. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, there, was a, there were a number of occasions when West Ham at home wore the pale blue shorts um, with, the, with the home shirt. And it kind of looked a bit like too much pale blue in a way, but it sort of kind of worked if you need that contrast for the shorts. So, um, yes, all very good. So, I mean, that essentially is the 1976-77 season in the first division wrapped up. That's all the kind of uh, interesting bits that we've managed to pick out for you. Um, if there's anything we've missed and you want to kind of uh, tell us about, then get in touch with us. We'll give you all the contact details at the end of the podcast and um, we'll read them out in the next podcast, all being well. So um, apologies if we missed anybody. As I said before, it's not because we don't like your team. We're just a bit short on time. Believe it or not, we've probably been going about two and a half hours even now. Um, anyway... Last thing, Chris, on this season. Yeah, sorry, go on. Most 10 clubs have yellow as an away or change kit. That's it. That's, uh, it seemed to me like everyone had yellow, and it's, it's not yeah. quite half, but that is a lot, um, a yeah. lot I think. Oh, Great definitely. to see yellow and green. Well. Yes. For me, that's always their away colours and should be. <laughs> it's a good point, actually, about the yellow away kits. And, and I, I was going to mention earlier on when you were talking about Tottenham and playing Leeds and the fact that one team would wear white and one would wear yellow, and... Yes, you've got the kind of contrasting 
shade, let's say, on the shorts, like, for instance, Tottenham would have navy blue shorts, so Leeds would have yellow, so there's a distinction. But overall, you're essentially looking at a team wearing white and a team wearing yellow. So that blue Tottenham kit that we were talking about earlier on make, makes total sense to me. But um, having said that, I do like seeing Tottenham wearing yellow away from home, so I probably shouldn't argue that point too vehemently. But, um, but it's an interesting uh, discussion anyway. Um, anyway, any further points to raise there, Rich, before we move on? No, other than to say that Tottenham got relegated. You would. Ignominiously. <laughs> Rock yeah. bottom. But uh, man, well, also, the funny thing is as well, is that reading your notes, Chris, that Coventry of Bristol City played out a controversial 2-2 draw to avoid relegation. Sunderland went down instead. Now, that wouldn't be the first time that Cobb would escape <laughs> relegation on the last day uh, <laughs> under under dubious circumstances. So, <laughs> I, I Jimmy Hill's finest hour. Yeah. Sorry? Jimmy Hill's one of his finest hours, wasn't it? Oh, was that when they delayed the kickoff? Yes. On the, on the big scoreboard and then watched the two teams pass the ball about for the last... Uh, yeah, well, Eight. the funny thing was the last time that we did that and avoided relegation on the last day, um, well, actually, no, sorry, not the last time we actually avoided relegation on the last day, but I remember we actually played, I think it was 96, 97 or 97, 98, something like that. And it was, um, it was, I think our last game was against Tottenham. Um, I was and there. We didn- yeah, and we delayed, the kickoff got delayed for that as well. I think we won. <laughs> I think did we? I think Cov did win you that. Parked one. up at Seven Sisters Road and said you were stuck in traffic. I'd imagine, and then rocked up. At <laughs> oh, the I road. didn't. I didn't. I didn't go. I was listening to it on the radio. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what happened. And then I think that was the same season that um, Borough went down because they'd been docked three points for not fielding a team because the. Because Brian Rodgers didn't have enough to make a proper full-string <laughs> team. Because they were a bit poorly. So, yeah, that was brilliant. That was, And also, Sunderland got relegated that year as well. I was very happy that year. We escaped. <laughs> Sunderland and, Mid- and Borough went down because I had people I didn't like who were from Sunderland at the time. So, it was great. <laughs> brilliant day. And we beat Tottenham, my, one of my favourite teams to beat. <laughs> Not actually because I don't like Tottenham, because I like Tottenham. But and it, I just, they just win so often, you would. Well, yeah, that was the thing. They seem to be a bit of a bogey team for us we always seem to actually sort of beat them when we when we sort of well not necessarily when we needed to but 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 yeah i don't know i, I, I like playing tottenham always good fun oh well um you just witnessed the end of a the friendship there between uh <laughs> andy rockall and uh, rich johnson um i think he i think he made his point quite clearly how he feels about tottenham um anyway wait, wait, wait. yes I just wanted to say very quickly before we move on, I just wanted to say a big thank you to Chris Guy, who's known as at Chris G QPR on Twitter, because uh, he's a big QPR fan. And he uh, sent through lots of information about those QPR uh, quirky differences and all the different kits they had. So uh, thank you, Chris, for your input. Much appreciated. Um, we must now move on to this week's kit off vote. Uh, now, um, last week, well, sorry, not on the last week, last uh, podcast, we had our fifth poll which is uh, on the theme of silver and gray and um well i have to admit i had to eat humble pie here rich johnson call it correctly he said he felt that shirt a the oldest of the three shirts was probably going to win and by georgie was right uh maybe richie could give us the final result there from the last kit off vote Oh, okay. In a, shall I, I'll do it the old-fashioned way of like in third place. Actually, that was almost uh, Jim Bowen's style. <laughs> <laughs> Jert B came in last, the Man United away one. I think mostly because people couldn't see it. <laughs> oh. um, 
we we did actually get that comment from uh, from a, a cov, decent cov fan, Cleg Rider, said I can't see number two. Ha ha ha! The smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so they came in third with only twelve percent. That's shocking. Uh, second, it's a bit of a surprise. I was very surprised this came in second, but I think there might have been a lot of uh, anti-Man United feeling going on. Or or it might have just been Jay repeatedly voting. <laughs> um, so that the second one was the Olympic Marseille away from 2014 to 15. Um, and the overall winner by an absolute mile, beating the other two with, with all the percentages put together, uh, was the Liverpool away from 88 to 89 with 61% of the vote. Well done, Liverpool. Well done, Liverpool. Yes, uh, undoubtedly a popular shirt. I just, I didn't. I honestly thought that the Marseille shirt might have a chance of winning, but just goes to show you how much I know. Back to the drawing board on that one. Uh, but uh, we got 140 votes, and just want to say thank you to everybody who took part in that. Uh, very much appreciated uh, your uh, your contribution there. Um, we had a couple of comments as we just sort of mentioned there. Uh, uh, SJH um, AS Pulita on. Uh, uh, on Twitter, a friend there who uh, runs a very fine Facebook page, football, what's it called? Football, ki- uh, forgive me, I'm going on my screen, football kits all over the world, is it? I can't remember now. Um, anyway, I'll get the details in a minute. I'll come back to you on that one. Um, basically, he just wanted to tell us that his favourite silver slash grey shirt was the uh, England away shirt from Euro 96. But then I think you pulled him up quite correctly on that, didn't you, Rich? I, I did, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly my reply. I said, technically, you'll find it was indigo blue. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry to be pedantic, but yeah. Yeah. Well, um, although it was bloody grey, wasn't it, for Christ's sake? Everyone just said it's official, which is, it was like, it, it, its official colour was indigo blue, but it's, you know, it's, it's grey to all intents and purposes. Yes, indeed. Um, and SJH, AS Polito, as we mentioned before, is basically Steve Halliwell and his Facebook group is called Football Kits the World Over. If you want to get into football shirts in a big way and just see lots of lovely pictures of football shirts and football kits, that's the group to find on Facebook. We're, I think we're all members of that and it's wonderful. So keep up the good work, Steve, and thanks for your contact on that. Um, and oh, also we had uh, contact from uh, Russell Osborne, a regular correspondent, uh, who basically said um, that it was a pretty tough vote and that um, the sponsor on the Olympique de Marseille one uh, looks photoshopped, which is probably about right, actually. But I still like it. I still quite like to own that shirt. Anyway, I digress. Um, this week, we have another uh, kit off vote for you. And I'm very pleased to say that the three selections for you and indeed the theme um, has been suggested by our guest this week, Andy Rockall. The theme is Tottenham Hotspur, and uh, Andy's picked out three fine Tottenham shirts from down the years. And all we ask you to do is to pick your favourite and a bit of fun, an online vote, and we'll give you the details in a moment on that. But uh, for the time being, Andy, maybe you could uh, tell us about the three shirts you've picked. I decided the, the purpose of this vote would be a complete break with tradition kit. And... Right. Uh, the shirts I've chosen would be the first Admiral shirt, which would be 77 to 80. Um, that one had sleeve tape, uh, the navy collar placket, and navy cuffs, whereas before everything had been completely plain uh, by the badge. Then we've got Hummel 85 to 87, uh, the switch to all white for one or two seasons. There was some debate as to whether blue shorts were used the second year um, through choice or through kit clashes. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's hard to follow, but Essentially, that was the first time Spurs had worn all white in the league and not in Europe. Uh, and then a Kappa kit from, I think, 2005, 2006. And that yeah. had a lot of navy on the shirt. That had navy sleeves and a navy side panel. 
and it was one of these lycra shirts that you had to buy a, a triple XL if you were a normal sized chap, otherwise it didn't fit and all it was skin tight. <laughs> um, but then that was the last of the, the three Kappa home shirts before they moved on to, to Puma. But they're the three choices. Well, those, those are three fine choices, I have to say. Um, a lovely kind of diverse um, dip into different eras there. Um, and I'm, I've decided I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm not going to be wary of maybe influencing the vote because nobody listens to me anyway. I'm going to pick B. That's going to be my vote. I loved that Holston shirt from uh, from 85 to 87, uh, the Clive Allen shirt, you might want to call it. I mean, beautiful Hummel design, that one. Um, I won't go too much into detail, but I, that's going to get my vote. What, what are you going to go for on that one, Rich? Uh, I would also go for B, and I'm calling it now that that's going to be the clear winner. <laughs> <laughs> honest rich <laughs> place your bet with him i'd like to point out i don't i'd like to point out i don't fix these votes you know we do, <laughs> i mean technically we could just read out what the hell we want on these except of course the poll on twitter <laughs> is quite visible actually yeah. can everyone else see that because i know we can obviously because we're on the account but i don't i think everyone else can see yes it, when you vote it comes up when you vote. Uh, good good yeah so that's right so i was going to say you know don't let anyone i just like I, i'm gonna call this now and everyone's just going <laughs> Right, so you're just going to fix it then? No, I don't. I don't actually fix it, but no, B is going to be a clear one on that one. I reckon. Yes, indeed. Yeah, just to explain it's my winning streak. <laughs> yes, predictive streak. Um, just to explain, basically, if, we, if you're new to the podcast, um, we run the poll on our Twitter page on our profile page you can find it always at the top of the profile page at football attic so you can vote there but we also have the vote running on our website which is www.thefootballattic.com and at the end of the day we add up all the votes from the two so even though you can see the current result or the current score so to speak or all the votes that are being cast on our twitter account of course you don't know how many votes have come in necessarily because that bit's secret on our website we like to kind of keep an air of mystery about these things so uh, we just kind of add all the votes together what was it? Postal, Postal vote, was it? <laughs> yes. I was just going to say, actually, probably what we should do is like the old match of the day. Kind of you write your selections A, B and C on the back of a, a postcard or a folded down envelope and uh, send it to us somewhere. Uh, but um, no, so that's kind of how it works generally. And we invite you to take part in the vote. So um, uh, by the time you hear this, all the details will be on our Facebook page uh, and also uh, on our website and on Twitter, pretty much anywhere. And uh, yeah. We, we look forward to seeing which of those three shirts is going to emerge as the best one. Uh, well, that pretty much wraps up the podcast uh, for this time around. A little bit of housekeeping to go before, just to give you more value for money uh, before we uh, send, send you off on your way. Uh, a bit of feedback from the last podcast. We were discussing the 2002 World Cup kits on that one. Um, Rich, what did we get from our wonderful listeners? We got some abuse. Did no. we? Uh, where is it? Oh, I'm just trying to scroll, I'm trying to find where that's gone now. Oh yeah, there we go. TZ Football Shirts, Tontonzola365 on Twitter said, enjoying the latest Football Attic podcast, but they're just plain wrong about the 2002 Denmark kit. Well, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Thanks for pointing that, but we're not. That was a yes, frankly yes. a crap Denmark kit. Sorry. Yes, it was awful. <laughs> uh, Museum of Jerseys at Museum of Jerseys said Sweden had intended having white a white away shirt with yellow sleeve for World Cup 2002, but FIFA made them bring out a blue shirt instead. Same logic should have been applied with Nigeria. No, Nigeria should have just been like you know get some whole new shirts completely. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it was it had an interesting discussion there with um, Dennis Hurley, who's the mastermind behind Museum of Jerseys. Um, yeah, just. Um, we're just sort of talking really about the the whole Nigeria kit that was it, was, it was almost good, but not quite that very, very pale green. Oh, 
Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what caused all the problems, I think, as I said on the last podcast, really. So anyway, but thank you, to De- uh, Dennis, for getting in touch on that one. Um, we also have some pointers to tell you about, some things that you, uh, if you're into football kit design, um, something to satiate your uh, uh, lust for such things. Very exciting news, which is that on Wednesday, the 21st of September, 2016, if you're in the UK, you should tune into ITV because there's a program on there called Get Shirty, and essentially, it's a one-hour documentary all about Admiral and um, their football kit design and their history, uh, their involvement with uh, football kit design. And it stars the one, the only, John Devlin, no less. He's uh, been a, a key contributor to that particular program. He was involved in the making of it. And he's been telling us that it's going to be coming up soon. And needless to say, we urge you all to watch it if you can. If you're outside the UK... Hopefully, you'll be able to watch it on the ITV.com website. But if not, then you might need a bit of um, dodgy software to kind of bypass the IP uh, restrictions on that. But um, but try and hunt it down. I'm hopeful somebody somewhere will upload it to YouTube because that's where all the best programs end up. Um, but, um, but needless to say, if you're in the UK, Wednesday, the 21st of September, 10.40 until 11.40, that is going to be well worth watching, not least because we get to see the wonderful John Devlin, I'm sure, as well as all those excellent um, Admiral kits as well. So there you go. And uh, also the designfootball.com podcast, uh, episode 18 came out uh, just after our last podcast. And on that one, you can hear uh, Jay talking to Austin Long all about Manchester United kits, and that's well worth listening to as well. So uh, there you go. A couple of things to, as I say, satiate your interest in football kit design. Um other than that, gents, any um, any pointers? I think, well, Andy, you should tell us uh, where we can find you on on Twitter and various other places and all your, your projects that you're involved with. I'm at Stato underscore 74 on Twitter for general Tottenham and kit nonsense. Um, and uh, my podcast is the Echoes of Glory. It's a Tottenham podcast, usually on a weekly basis, and where uh, family commitments allow my uh, my ramblings are, uh, are usually available on that. <laughs> Readily available. Yes, indeed. Fantastic. All good news. Uh, so, uh, yep, get following uh, Andy uh, on that, on Twitter and everywhere else, and get listening into the podcast. Wonderful. And, uh, Rich, any other any other things to, to mention before we go? Oh, you've been buying uh, shirts. I, I have, actually. I bought uh, – my wife said to me last night, are you buying shirts again? And I said, no, <laughs> I, I just bought a few. I've just bought a few. Like, I've, I've decided now pretty much my shirt buying from now on will be uh, pretty much limited edition ones or just random like quirky shirts so like hence my uh, the fruit ones I bought recently and the muscle shirt so but I did buy some stuff off the classic football shirt sale which arrived this morning so I got me Juventus 1990-91 uh, away which is like the most air text shirt I've ever seen I think I uh, got a lovely Universitario anniversary shirt with a lovely, lovely badge on it, some Umbro taping, uh, and I've got a Roma shirt, which is very nice. No, not that's Roma. Aroma. Aroma. It doesn't smell or anything. Um, and what else did I get? I got with the Oktoberfest shirt from Vintage Football Shirts. Um, the Ooh. first ever, um, oh, what do you call it? The first ever Oktoberfest shirt that came out. Uh, and I didn't get it at the time. I, I missed out on it, but I've managed to get hold of one from Vintage Football Shirts. And I've got another one that I'm watching on eBay, which is the other Oktoberfest shirt that I'm, I'm hoping to nab, although the price is going up because it's obviously rare. Um, and I also finally got my hands, thanks to UK Soccer Shop, on the Bordeaux third shirt. I'll be, I should be posting pictures of these on Twitter and Facebook very shortly. 
Is that the one with the um, all the little picture postcards all over it? Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> a a um a unique design, it has to be said. <laughs> yes. yes. Very good. Yes, I was I thought you were gonna say my, my football shirt buying from now on will be and I thought he was gonna sort of say um changing to a new tactic whereby you tell your wife actually you're buying decorative pillowcases. They're not football <laughs> shirts at all or anything. She already refers to them as dishcloths, so yeah. oh. Well, there you go. Just say they're just expensive dishcloths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anything you might have to demonstrate using them, which could be a bit of a drawback, but there we are. Yeah, I've had that threatened with me as well before. <laughs> so, dear. Oh, well, all good stuff. Well, yes, uh, look out. You can sort of follow Football Attic. You'll find Rich, no doubt, putting some pictures up of his purchases, and um, you can um, basically ask him questions about um, why he bought them and stuff like that. Uh, we urge you to do that. Anyway, I think... After that long discussion, I think we've finally run out of time. So needless to say, just uh, leads me to say thank you, Andy, for your participation in this podcast. It's been great having you on and been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Very enjoyable. Excellent. We'll have you on again, I'm sure. And uh, been wonderful talking to you, Rich. Um, thank you for your company as well. And, um, yeah, well, I suppose, well, I- I'm forgetting big news for the next podcast. Uh, ladies and gents, we've got a real special coming up because in a week's time, I'm jumping on a plane with my family and going to be heading back to the UK for a few weeks. So while I'm there, I will be getting together with Rich and Jay and John Devlin. And the plan is we're going to record a podcast all actually sat there looking at each other, talking to each other for real, not on a video link on Skype or anything like that or Google Hangouts. In real life, we're going to be talking to each other and recording the conversation. Won't that be a thrill? I'm certainly looking forward to it. Can't wait. And me, because we'll all be getting drunk as we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, there is that as well. Yeah. Um, but um, but that's the plan. So hopefully the next podcast you'll, he- you'll hear will be a special. And uh, the intention is we're going to be talking about 50 greatest football shirts ever one year on. We're going to be looking back and just uh, critiquing the whole project and seeing what could have been better, worse, um, how we could have done things differently and stuff like that. So uh, we hope you'll join us for that. But uh, for the time being, once again, thank you to Andy. Thank you, Rich. And for the three of us, it's goodbye to you all. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.